You're listening to Don't Waste Water. We're absolutely water virgins. We started two and a half years ago, um, but our background, I'm a musician and I majored in acoustic musical analysis. Hello, bonjour, and welcome to the Don't Waste Water podcast. I got so fed up of our CTO looking on the business page and going, oh, they've just raised $20 million for an idea I, I thought about that three years ago. So I hit him around the head. I'm your host, Antoine Valter, and in today's episode, I'm delighted to welcome Victoria Edwards as my guest. Can you imagine BMW building a phenomenal factory, producing 100 supercars and then burning 40 on the forecourt? Victoria is the CEO and co-founder of FidoTech. People say, don't walk in the water industry. It'll take you two and a half years to get a contract. You should be taking you to oil and gas. And I said, well, no, because... Water for me is a matter of life and death. Phytotech is a data as a service end-to-end leak detection solution that identifies leaks, sizes them, and tells you where to dig to repair them. The only thing you have to worry about at Fido is who is going to play you in the Netflix film. Don't worry, I haven't turned this podcast into an ASMR show yet. But here's the thing, water networks are singing. Day in, day out, they tell a lot if you listen to it. And when I say that they sing, that's the positive way to tell the story because another one might be to mention how they desperately cry for help. Remember, we discussed some months ago with Olivier Narbet how the world loses 126 billion cubic meters of treated potable water every year. At the time, we covered how to prevent leaks and mitigate their impact thanks to pressure management. Today, we look at the next segment in the story, the one where we detect leaks, follow their evolution and find out when and where to repair them. Now, Fido's got a special kick to that exercise and I'll let Victoria explain it in a minute. But what I can already tell you is that it involves artificial intelligence and several pivots within a short history to finally find a powerful product market fit. You'll hear Victoria making bold claims and you don't have to believe her just like that. You can actually check it for yourself by uploading your own acoustic files directly on Fido's website. I have no stakes in that game, but I just find it genuinely clever, so I thought I'd mention it. That being said, and just before we take off, let me remind you that if you like what you hear, share it around you. Grab your friends, colleagues or neighbors phone. Look for the Don't Waste Water podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from and subscribe them to the show. Come on, do it and I'll meet you on the other side. You're listening to Don't Waste Water, the podcast that helps water professionals to improve their wastewater treatment, optimize their operation costs and keep up with the latest market trends. This podcast is brought to you by GF Piping Systems. As a leading supplier of piping systems made of plastics and metal, GF Piping Systems is the global expert for the safe and reliable transportation of water, chemicals, and gas. For more information, visit gfps.com. Hi, Victoria. Welcome to the show. Thank you for inviting me, Antoine. We had a very interesting discussion just before kicking that famous red button, and you told me something about the place you're at, which makes for a perfect postcard. And I'm really going into it straight without even saying you hi or welcome or anything, because you have something really, I would say, not so common about the place you're at next to Oxford, which is Bista, which I probably pronounce very, very bad. But what can you tell me about Bista, which I would ignore by now? One fact for a pub quiz. Bista Village, which is the closest rail station to us, 
is home to Bista Village designer retail outlet. It's the most visited location in the UK after Buckingham Palace. And it's unique because it's the only railway station in the UK that announces that they've got to that station in its first language, which is Mandarin, not English. So there we go. So that was setting you for a kind of international path somehow? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know which one came first, but yeah, we certainly hit the global stage running. There's another thing, another elephant in that room, which I have to address right now so that it's done. Your company is called Fido. And I guess if you just type Fido into Google, it's probably not your company, which is going to come up first. So what does Fido stand for? Yeah, it doesn't come up first yet, but it will. We have brand designs on that. So originally a typical startup, no marketing budget, and it's actually an acronym for free intelligent domain observers. So it, it will look at any environment and make predictions based on that. But actually I've got a mad Irish red setter dog called Archimedes. So we put the two together, hence the name Fido. And if we were to meet in an elevator, you know, that's really the standard classical question. You have just 20 seconds to tell me what Fido is doing, what you would be saying. Very simple. We're saving the planet one megaliter at a time by taking a disruptive sensor agnostic and AI approach to non-revenue water. When I was preparing for that discussion, I was a bit wondering, I mean, I've seen the two cases in the people which were on that microphone so far. There were people inside the industry which happened to find out there's a problem and then that developed a solution to that problem. And there were people from outside the industry which come with a certain tech and say, hey, by the way, that's something that could be applied into water. Let's try it out. Which one would you be? Oh, we're absolutely water virgins. We started two and a half years ago, um, but our background, I'm a musician. And I majored in acoustic musical analysis. So leaks, acoustics, the noises they make are in my DNA. But we've had an eclectic career dealing with big data analytics, but also operational field people. And it was a purely chance conversation. One of our longtime friends phoned up the RCTO and said, I'm trying to sell a Fatberg solution to utility companies. And all they want to talk about is leakage. Can you think of anything? And our CTO was stuck on the motorway on the M6 in the days when we had traffic jams and started thinking about all the analysis he'd done and came up with FIDO AI and a form of differential analysis to find leaks. And that's where we started. At that very moment where you say you're quite virgin to water, what do you know about this leaks, this non-revenue water? Is it something which is mainstream enough that you've heard of it or is it totally new for you? It was totally new for us, but it was quite simple. We'd, we'd always come from a very inventive background, companies, and I'd actually looked at the Sunday Times newspaper and I got so fed up of our CTO looking on the business page and going, oh, they've just raised $20 million for an idea. I, I thought about that three years ago. So I hit him around the head and said, if you ever say that again, I said, you come up with an idea that I can be really passionate about, has a need, is something that we can develop, I'm going to shoulder in. And I'm going to give it my all. And FIDO is one thing I can see because without water, people die. It's quite simple. We're not making widgets. We're not making something go faster. We're not trying to you know, make something necessarily more efficient. We are doing something that helps the water, chronic water shortage, this day zero that we're facing. Also in the UK, we're lucky enough to see there was a real need that was driven both by the utility companies wanting to fix the problem, but also UK regulation. So there was a perfect storm. There was regulation and desire, and there was an opportunity because the problem wasn't being fixed. There's some great technology out there, 
but they've all got the same fundamental problem. They're all proprietary, so they don't talk to each other, don't share data, and they all at some point require human analysis to find out if there's a leak. So we said, if we're going to do this, it's a world problem. It's something we can be proud of, something I call the Fido faith, that we, we are tackling non-revenue water and water leakage, water scarcity. We've got to make sure that we are non-proprietary and we're going to remove human error from the leak detection cycle. And that's what we set out to do. And that's our premise. How can you have a world where four out of 10 people, and we're not just talking about sub-Saharan Africa, we're talking in the UK, in Europe, in the USA, are facing water insecurity and water scarcity. It's inconscionable. I mean, there's no other industry in the world that would produce something and then lose 40% of it. Can you imagine BMW building a phenomenal factory, producing 100 supercars and then burning 40 on the forecourt, yet the water industry does that? So we saw that as the problem. We saw it as the opportunity. We saw that we needed to be different because we can only tackle this global crisis by being collaborative, by being agnostic, by being open data. And that's really why we said this is going to work. We're going to make FIDO work. We're going to take this and run with it really hard with a mixture of good luck, timing and the genius of the team that I've got here at FIDO. We seem to be getting somewhere. When you're saying proprietary and you, on the other hand, being agnostic, what are you referring to? Is it software? Is it hardware? What is usually the closed environment? Pipes make noises, don't they? Leaks actually make noises. So if you want to find a leak, you've got to listen to a network. And networks can be very noisy places. There can be generator noise, drilling noise, trams ahead, owls hooting, you know, all sorts of different things, pressure management valves that mask the noise of a leak. So there's great hardware out there that listens for leaks, but they all require human analysis. And we said, well, look, let's build a model. Let's build an AI model that can take any audio file from any hardware and tell you if there's a leak. Okay, so we'll come on to how we got there through the United Utilities Innovation Lab, which was, was huge for us. So we built a model and we built it on an absolute truth. And there's only one absolute truth in leakage is that you've dug a hole and you found a leak or you've dug a hole and you haven't. So we manually verified every piece of data we fed our training library because you can't have good AI without a good solid training library. And so FIDO learned to be able to take audio files from any piece of hardware and find not only if there's a leak, but most importantly, the leak size. Now, for us to be able to tell you where the largest leaks are first is a phenomenal. You don't want to dig a road six times to find six small leaks. Dig a road once, fix the big leak, let the others track their degradation until they become economic to repair. And we said, actually, this AI can be sensor agnostic and actually must be because you, we're not going to solve this global crisis by trying to, we're not giving away the keys to the executive washroom we're here. We're saying to the hardware manufacturers, come work with us. We can together really solve this problem. And you've still got your business model, but we've tipped that on its head and gone, we'll take any audio file. There's a lot to unpack in what you just said. And I have to take notes because really there's a lot of the directions I'd like to explore, but I'd like to take you to the very beginning of what you said about United Utilities, because you joined their innovation lab, if I'm right, in 2018. What I'm wondering is your product, what does it look like at that stage? And what does United Utilities do in terms of leak detection at that moment? How is that encounter? Is it like a win-win and an epiphany or is it build up a bit more organically? 
Well, with all the typical arrogance of a startup that's just really got a concept, we rolled up to a 2065 conference in Sheffield, promising the world. You know, and we'd got three little balls, plastic balls in a cardboard box, because originally we were going to go in pipe. We we're going to collect the data by being in pipe, flowing down the pipe, listening to the leaks. And I remember Kieran Brocklebank, the head of innovation at United Utilities, was also at the conference. And he came over to our trestle table. He, he looked the banner up and down, looked at us, looked at the plastic balls and went, hmm, I think you need our innovation lab. He said, apply. And literally, I'm terrible at filling in forms. Right? And I was sitting on a train from Oxford to Glasgow. And I thought, oh, procrastination time over. I'll fill in the form because Kieran kept you know, saying, you should apply, you should apply, you know, give it a go. And I've read about their innovation lab. And it's actually one that does something. It doesn't just do it for a tick in the box. It actually really works with you. It's very intense. And I thought, oh, we won't get in. We've just got this idea. And so I applied and we were lucky enough to win a place. And what that innovation lab gave us was two very important things. One, it gave us the actually the environment to fail, which was really important. We went through eight iterations of our offering, completely changed by the time we came out. We came out with this sensor agnostic AI, and we came out with a methodology of finding leaks without ever having to go in pipe. Because putting things in the water network in pipe is not a particularly good idea. So we said, actually, we tried it and we lost one. We're not doing it anymore. We are going to find a way that we can take any data from the external of a pipe or from a hydrophone or a logger, but we will never go in pipe and we will find both if it's a leak, the size and the location. And what UU did is they had complete faith in us and we had to prove that we were worthy of their trust. And they worked us very hard, but they gave us access to people. They gave us access to build something that they actually needed, that the industry needed. I mean, lots of startups have some great ideas, but they come with the product, go knocking on the door and go, we've got this, why haven't you used it before? You're really stupid. And what United Utilities did was say, actually, we like your idea. We think it's got, these are the challenges that we have. How can you deliver that? And I was actually determined because people say, don't walk in the water industry. It'll take you two and a half years to get a contract. You should be taking you to oil and gas. And I said, well, no, because water for me is, is a matter of life and death. This is what's important to me. And I said to the team, when we won a place on the innovation lab, a 10-week accelerator course, there were three of us. And we, you know, we tried to pretend we were bigger than we were and we, you know, but we decamped to the cheapest flat we could find near their head office. And I said, right, my promise to you guys, you're the geniuses that have invented this. You're the ones that are going to make it happen. But I promise you, I will not leave that lab until I've got a contractual agreement. And everybody was going, you're mad, you're mad, you're mad. And you, you were so fantastic. I think I squatted for three months afterwards and wouldn't leave the lab. But we're there. We now have a long term not only a business as usual for Fido AI, but a development, a long-term development contract with them. And all credit to them, because we were taking time away from people's busy day jobs, but they helped us craft something that we can apply globally. And we continue to learn and we continue to develop. But you mentioned that they had challenges. So what were these challenges at United Utilities and what did you solve? Well, I think the challenges, are, it's not just, I think it's to do with all utility companies. They're massive, massive organizations. And so a lot of information is siloed. So actually, well, you need a joined up approach. So if you've got people trying to sell you things and new tech all the time, there are some things that work in some environments and some things that, that don't work as well. But what the problem is, is you can be inundated with too much data. So you've got all these systems telling you, well, there could be a leak here. Oh, and it rained a bit over there. And it, oh, it might, you might get a leak over there next year. But you've got people still out in the street using listening sticks. 
And where it is so critical, and it's very brave of utility companies to make a change. And if they're going to make a change, it's got to be a transformational one, not a transactional, because the risk is too great. If the prize is big enough, they make that leap. If it's only a transactional, they'll say, actually, we'll stick with what we do. We'll just do more of the same. But they were open to realizing they probably could get better value out of the equipment and the hardware they'd already spent CapEx programs on. And what we said to you, we promise not to give FIDO just more data. That doesn't do anything. We'll give you actionable data. So we will say, this is the result, and therefore, this is the next. We will give you prioritization. So we'll tell you it's a leak. We'll tell you the frequency of the leak, but we'll tell you the size. So you will be sending your engineers out, and especially during the COVID pandemic, and you've got to think about people's health and safety. You don't want them wandering the street with a listening stick. You want them to go out to where they know there's a leak in in that vicinity, and it's a large one, so you can prioritize. So I think that's helped. I mean, you have to speak to them about it, but we're, you know, we've been in their annual report and we, and we work really closely with them. And I think that the challenge that they had that most other utility challenges have is there's a lot of great technology out there, but how do you use it? And how do you use it in a way that it just doesn't mean just more data that a human still has to process? So here at FIDO, we said, we're going to give you actionable data that removes human error from the leak detection cycle, which allows humans to go and do the more complex stuff is not to take their jobs. And that's the big thing about AI, which we won't probably discuss now, but people think you're going to lose your jobs. You're not. It's going to allow humans to do the more complex connections and work that they need to do rather than the mundane day in, day out with unerring accuracy. And that's what AI does. I have a curveball for you at that stage, because whatever you're explaining right now makes me think that maybe the UK is a bit specific with the facts that you have this limited number of utilities, which then have quite a bunch of technologies and things rolled out. Because in many places around the world, you don't drone in data, you just have no clue about your network. Would that be an issue for you? Very simple. We came at this through bitter experience of running field operation teams in the Wi-Fi space. So if you've got a pipe and you've got water in that pipe, Fido can find the leak and rank it by size for you. So during this terrible, terrible pandemic, we've launched in places such as the Democratic Republic, South Africa. Yes, they're not digitized networks. So, so how do we know? We don't know how many leaks we have. We can't even tell probably where part of our network is. And so we thought we'd sit pretty. It's a good curveball question. We thought there's loads of hardware in the UK. We can just analyze all the audio files, be hardware agnostic, and we'll do the same globally. So we merrily looked outside the UK and went, oh, we haven't, can't see this this hardware, where are the loggers? Where are the hydrophones? Where are they? What's happening? So we went and asked. And we got the same question back time and time again. One, it was very capex heavy. And two, they hadn't got the humans to do the analysis. So we said, okay, if we remove those adoption barriers, if we smash them open, would you like to know where your leaks are? And they went, well, yes, but how can you? So we those little plastic balls that were going to go down inside the pipe, we turned them into a little Fido bug and we give it away for free. So we charge no hardware. We just say, actually, it's like the sky concept. You pay for the content, not for the box that's delivering the content. And we've developed this little bug, and it's always on. It needs no technical input. You just put it on a pipe, well, put it in the chamber, on a stop tap, or on a customer's meter box. You put it on a pipe, press, record, overnight, or an hour, however long you want it to. It goes to record via a mobile phone, goes up to the cloud, instant results from FIDO AI. It's a dumb device. The clever stuff's done by the AI. 
And they said to us, really? Well, how can you give us leak size? Because we don't have DMAs, you know, district metered. So we don't know what's coming in and what's going out. How can you tell me that the noise you're, you're listening to is, and I said, well, you have to remember that FIDO AI, what it does is trained on some of the most complex networks in the world, which have DMAs. So we could verify our leaks when we're saying it's large or correct. And we've done all that verification. So when we hear a noise and FIDO says it's a leak, it may be a leak hidden behind something else, but there's a leak there. We give it a unique FIDO ID number and we turn that leak into a living, breathing asset and we don't forget about it. And we track it all the way through, wherever it is in the world. You could be running FIDO bugs on the Champs-Elysees. You could have a logger in Rio de Janeiro. You could have a hydrophone in wet and windy Wigan. As long as it takes an audio recording, we give it that FIDO ID number. We track it through its repair, detection repair circle. And we have the continuous feedback loop for the AI. So it gets more and more accurate. And that's a true global collaboration because everybody says, oh, we do collaborate in the water industry. And I go, do we? Not so sure. Anyway, so... What FIDO AI gives you is the ability to raise your network to the level of the best. And that's what we're really proud of, that we can do that rollout. You mentioned DMAs, which is the opportunity for me to just direct the people listening to that to two other episodes I was doing with uh, Olivier Narbet in season three and with uh, Luke Butler in season four, where we covered those topics of DMA. So we don't have to recover it, go and listen to those. It's going to be, I guess pretty interesting. Plus, Luke Butler adds this element of open source. We also have that discussion about the closeness of data, which you mentioned. So I think that is really complementary to the discussion we're having right now. What they were mentioning as well is that with this topic of non-revenue water, even if you remove that boundary of CapEx, because you're CapEx-free with your solution, there's still that element of when is it worth it solving for a leak? And when is it simply not a better, but probably a simpler solution to put a new treatment plant and add more water in the system. I know that's not sustainable. It's just if we are realistic and honest with the water industry, it's what happens most of the time. You're missing water, you produce more water, and then only if really you're out of water in the full region, maybe you consider addressing the leaks. I'm painting it a bit in black right now, but I think I'm not that far from the reality. There's one thing which was a bit almost shocking when I was looking for statistics to prepare for all those discussions, it's that there's not even a worldwide exception of how much water we're losing. So it sounds like something which is a bit like up in the cloud and really the estimates, they go from simple to double to triple. My question here is when you're meeting a utility the first time, what is their state of information? Do they tell you I have 37% or 12% of leaks and I'd like to solve half of them? or are they really looking for an advice coming from you where you tell them what they have to do? It depends on the maturity of the utility company. I think with other, any customer or utility that you want to work with, you have to gain trust. So there's no way in a first meeting they're going to say, we've got a real problem here and we don't know where our network is and we have loads of dry digs and we're in the wrong place. They'll go, no, I know exactly where my network is. We never have a dry dig and we've got leakage under control. We have to get around that leakage is seen as a failure. It's a fact of life. It happens on your network. And you know, I saw a comment about plastic pipes. I think that's hilarious. They don't leak. Well, they do. You just can't hear them. But Fido can hear them. No, if they're installed the right way. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's a joke. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's the fittings, not the pipe. Um, you're quite right. When you're looking at the utility companies, some have great data, know exactly what's happening. And they can say, my leakage bit is 5.8%. And you know they're right. 
But it's also really good to work with ones that say that if they're honest and say, well, we don't know. And we say, well, let us give you a snapshot of how bad or good we think it is. And there's no way you can get to that economic level of zero leakage. It's not economic to do so. But surely just by fixing your large leaks, which can save you X percent, is going to be cheaper than any building extra capacity. And that's a real soapbox moment for me. I am against building extra capacity where you can't fix the water you've already produced. When 4% of all global electricity is spent producing potable water. That's outrageous. You can't just do more of the same or say, well, we'll just find more. We'll forget about the stuff we're losing. Now we, we know we've got the technology. We know we've got the expertise. And I'm not talking fired. I'm talking as an industry to fix these problems. You fix what you've already produced first. You don't just go looking. And desalination and you know abstraction is absolutely second choice. It should be a choice of last resort. One, you should be honest and learn what you're losing and then come up with a program and a policy to fix that first. Yet if I'm coming back to my question about the data you have when you're starting, if I get you right, you're doing kind of a miracle because you could be having a network where you have parts of that network which are no longer in service, but still are still in the network. So those pipes are somewhere. Sometimes you even have water, you don't really know where it comes from. You just happily test it and it's still good. So you're like, okay, I don't want to understand what's happening here. And you can have like a piece of ductile iron and then you have a change and then it's plastics and then you have a new change. And it's, uh, I mean, Russia to that extent is very special because I think they even have stainless steel pipes in the ground, which is, I think, the only country in the world which is doing that. But but you can have all these changes in, in material a bit everywhere. And I'm wondering, how can you overcome the fact that you have no clue about what's there in case you have no clue? All right, so... Yep, you can always go to a new environment. So the way that the AI modeling works is it looks for exceptions as well. So we don't patent our AI. There is a very clear reason why we don't, because we are not a simple pattern recognition technology. We've come at it from a different way, looking for best outcomes at each decision-making point. And therefore, we don't need to know the pipe material that we're hearing the audio. We've learned that FIDO AI has now learned the individual characteristics of a leak in different environments, because acoustic propagation is a huge topic. And I would encourage you to read, um, we've got a brilliant article from a PhD, a KTP associate that's working for FIDO called Jawad, about acoustic propagation. And it, uh, that is typical. So when FIDO goes to a new environment and it collects files that fall outside our clustering, our, it sees it as an exception. And we take that and we use it as part of the training model and we train it out. So for instance, you may get copper somewhere. So for us, it doesn't matter that, and this is when we come on to exact location because we can give exact location. It doesn't matter if you've got cast and then you've got ductile and then you've got plastic because you've done repairs with different, it can do that calculation. So it's really important. And I think that's the beauty of the AI because we only feed it verified data and we trained on these networks that it now can see what's an exception go, this is an exception, this is an outlier. I need to drag that out and look at what it is. And then we feed it back in, gets trained out and then gets added into into part of the decision-making process. And, uh, and I think that's the beauty. So why FIDO makes me smile. People say to me, I mean, my mother is very upset with me because I was trained as a classical pianist and she had great hopes that I'd be, you know, well, acoustics in leaks is the nearest thing I've got to that mother. So I do apologize, but I think I'm serving the world better than trying to play dodgy rendition of Rachmaninoff's second piano concerto, so. 
<laughs> when I hear you describing the AI, I have the feeling that your, your biggest asset, if you say the AI itself is not patented, is the library you have inside the AI. Am I fully wrong? It's not, no, because it, it's like it's like a good version. I don't know if you've ever seen Little Shop of Horrors. There's a plant that keeps bringing him to be fed by Seymour and he keeps dripping in more, more of himself. Is that Fido's, is, is a thing of beauty actually, the Fido AI. It started out learning, it learned on that absolute truth. So it built up this library and that library is constantly growing. It's over two and a half million files, but it's learned the characteristics of a leak. So it's adding into that library, but it's also not a simple pattern recognition. So it can take the AI and say, these are part of the characteristics I'd expect to find in this leak and of a leak of this size in this environment. But these are some other characteristics that are unknown. If there are enough of the unknown, it then gets fed out into an exception. So it's not as simple and it teaches itself with that unique FIDO playback number. It knows then what's going into its training module. We do a lot of work on false positives and false negatives to check that we've got that accuracy level. We're at 92% accuracy now that we'll contractually commit to. We stand by that. We're actually sort of more than that unofficially, but I'll, I'll get shot down in flames if, if I give you that figure. And we're constantly improving. Anybody that said it's perfect is finished is lying. You know, AI by its nature, if it's built properly, the concept on which it's built, it's built on proper foundations and not on sand and spurious data, will always learn. So AI, we started, we could just tell if it's a leak or not. We then cracked the leak sizing, which is the holy grail. Um, we've cracked leak sizing. We can tell pipe material. We can now, we're about to look at things like, we're going to tell you what type of leak it is, so you know what equipment you need to go and repair it. From doing that, you know, we're building this knowledge for you as your utility company, because we don't own the data. We're not one of these companies that say, it's your data, it's your network. All we're doing is processing it and giving it back to you as actionable insight with the results that you need. And that's a fundamentally different approach. And I think it's one that people need to take. So we're very good at saying, we keep learning. We've covered two of your perks, I would say. The first is this accuracy. You guarantee 92% is probably above, but you guarantee 92%. Just as a reference, you, you mentioned if there's a human involved, what would be the typical accuracy you would expect there? Um, well, it depends on your level of skill, but it's like about tossing a coin, but it's also speed. So maybe they get it right 60%, but what they can't tell you, and there's a game we often play, is I often say to people, I'm going to play you two noises. Tell me which one's a leak. Okay, and the room, the audience, and we normally get a fairly even split. You know, and I say, well, you know, the ones that said noise, one was a leak, well done, bravo. Right, who can tell me the size? Nobody can tell you the size. Humans can't determine the size. So what FIDO AI is doing, so you don't want a human sitting there listening to it. You want an erring accuracy of leak, no leak, and you want to know the size and the frequency of that leak. And then you've got enough information to really find it. So humans need to do the more complex things. So I don't know if you've ever seen that analogy. There's a picture, isn't it? The 12 evolution steps of man. It's always on everybody's T-shirt at the seaside. You can go and buy that. You know. And actually, out of those 12 steps, AI is only at step two. It's not going to replace humans. It's there to remove from humans what is a repetitive task, but to do it with accuracy and at speed and at scale. So the humans can concentrate on the more neural network intensive, complex relationships that the human brain can muster. I'm going to check in post-production if I add here the noise of a leak, because I have to be transparent with you at the very beginning. What I wanted to do is prepare you some noises, which are leaks, which I found on your website and which I found left and right, and some other noises, which are ASMR videos on YouTube. And it's very close 
But I think it would be an unfair game because that would just demonstrate that the human doesn't detect the difference as well as an AI would, which, by the way, would be proving a point. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And we're, we're, we have to say that. But in certain materials, you know, the human ear, so a lot of people are still using people to walk up and down the street with a listening stick, right? And we say, actually, but human ears can't hear. So the largest leaks are the quietest. And especially on plastic, you're never going to hear a leak. You're because it doesn't leak. Could, because it doesn't leak. There are leaks. Maybe not in the pipe, but in the fittings, there are leaks. So say it's on there. You're not going to hear large leaks. So you need a dumb recording device that records everything, that doesn't sit and wait for a threshold because the large leaks are often not that loud. And let the AI do that. And that's what it's trained to do. That's what it will do day in and day out. To bring it to my track, the first perk was this accuracy. And compared to the human, which might be a bit better than a coin flip, but still there's a way to go. The second was the size. And you just explained how that is difficult to humans to determine the size, whereas that is like daily bread for the AI. The third, which if I get right, is pretty new in your offering, is dig direction. Can you tell me what dig direction is? You have to walk in the shoes of the person that's using your technology or your results or your data or your hardware. And I'm a great believer if you haven't done it yourself, it's not right to then enforce it from on high. So we spend a lot of time out on networks, a lot of time with the UU engineers and others in the UK. And we noticed when they got to dig, you know, so an, an engineer's been out using whatever technology and marked the blue bar and says dig here, right? And they get it right, but sometimes they get it wrong. It's really expensive to get a whole crew out to come and dig. It upsets customer service. You know, the road's blocked again, or you've dug it and you can't find it, and I'm still getting, and you're then sending me a bill when you haven't fixed your leakage. And so we said, actually, instead of aborting that dry dig you've dug and there's no dig, can we make it so simple to allow them a methodology to carry on digging? So It's going to be either maybe digging in the middle of the night, it's wet, it's cold, or it's in the middle of the day, it's boiling hot. They don't want to plug data in, have to filter things. That's not their skill set. Their skill set is to get that leak repaired as quickly and as efficiently as professionally as possible. So we said, right, just take a bug, and it's always on, never goes flat, right? Because equipment always goes flat in the back of an engineer's van. You know, the only thing that's normally charged is the mobile phone. So we take a mobile phone, you take a little bug, put it on one end of the Um, exposed pipe where you've dug that it's dry, but another bug on the other end, and you press dig direction on your phone on the Fido app, and it says the leak's that way from point A, keep digging. So it allows you to keep digging. But we get lots of uses for app. We then are asked sometimes to actually, can you tell if the repair's been done properly? So what you do is you just put a bug down again where the repair's been done. It records everything, very simple device, sends it to AI, the Fido AI, and Fido AI says, Leak noise has disappeared, repair complete. So you know actually it's been repaired properly and that the noise has dissipated. So you've got a bit of sort of quality assurance there. But I think the big one for us is our, is our correlation. We can tell you the exact location of the leak without human analysis. So with just two bugs, you don't need to triangulate. So you put two bugs and what's the distance you put between those two? Okay. So the difference between the digging. So the bit is we've told you the engineer from this sensor, whether it's a FIDO bug or an acoustic logger or a hydrophone, there's a leak and the size of a leak, say it's a large leak. You now need to narrow it down so you can mark that one meter bar or sometimes in some areas in, in the world, it's, it's a box or it's a different color so that the dig team know where to dig. So an engineer will go out into the field. He may use a listening stick, see if he can hear the noise and where is it loudest, top sounding it's called, or he may have a ground mic or he may have a 
correlating device where he has to put in the pipe material. It's all an edge device. And we said, no, no, that doesn't work. To get an exact location, it's the speed and the correlation between two noise sources. Okay, so if you can imagine, there are 85 billion milliseconds a day. If your recording of those two different noise sources is out by more than maybe eight milliseconds, it's going to throw out where the pinpoint of the leak is. So we said, you need cloud computing power to do that. You've got to do it in the cloud. You've got to do it with FIDO AI. So we said, let's make it simple for the human. Remember, no human analysis. So you take your bug and you tap it together and you put one bug down where you've been sent to, saying that we can hear a leak in that vicinity. You put another bug at another asset you can find. Press correlate on your mobile phone app. It does a recording of the two sounds, sends it to FIDO in the cloud. The cloud, we do the algorithm, the mathematical calculation, it will tell you it's 126.3 meters from bug A. That's your dig. You don't have to tell us the pipe material and it's designed to be simple. Because what you're doing is you're using the power of cloud computing and removing the ability for human error. So I think that's one of our biggest achievements as well is that we are empowering, and this is what I'm passionate about, we're empowering any utility, regardless of the skill of their workforce, to tackle this global problem of water scarcity and insecurity. So we've got some great in the UK and some of the other countries and in the Far East and Singapore and places like that, really skilled technicians. And that's great. So they can delve into FIDO AI. They can look at the results. They can listen. They can see more analysis. But if you haven't got that knowledge, we're not going to deny you the fact that you can't fix leakage. We're going to say we're going to make it simple. We're going to walk you through the steps. So I think that's what I'm proud of. It's clever. Yes, great. Is it usable? Absolutely. And that's the bit I'm most proud of, that we've taken it and said, actually, it should be available to everyone. You mentioned cloud computing. Let's explore your vertical, if you will. I'd like to understand where it starts and somehow where it stops. You mentioned the hardware. So if I take really the vertical analogy, that would be the bottom. So you go from your your bugs, but it could be also something else than the bugs that feeds into your system because you're agnostic. And then it feeds into the AI. So the AI, can it be on-premise or is it always in the cloud? It's always in the cloud. I mean, there are obviously in different parts of the world, there are different data requirements. Remember, we don't own the data and we don't store the data. We just deliver it back. The conversation you have to have is if it's on-premise, it can be done, but you're not benefiting because FIDO is learning every day from every file, anonymized file that it takes. If you've got an on-premise then it's more static. So we would say, actually, think about that. We don't own the data. It's anonymized. It comes, it's an accuser. We, we just give it back and we give you instructions to do to that. So why not benefit from that where everybody benefits? But, it, you know, so it is a cloud. And we push it out to any platform. It's your data. How you want us to, to deliver it is, is up to you. So when you're talking about that next level up, you know, we're, we're not a platform provider. We've got no interest in being a platform provider. We will deliver the data to you in whatever shape, format you want. So when you're saying pushing to a platform, that would be a GIS system? That would be, what could it be? It could be anything. It's, it's all the big the big players, you name the names, the um, Salesforce, which you've done that for SAP, Oracle, could be the utilities own, it could be their data lake. There's a lot of move for utility companies to create, you know, to have their own data lake, because then they have ownership 
of the data. So we say, yeah, absolutely, good idea. You know, you pull it and then you interrogate it in the way that you want to do. And I think it's important to do that. So we'll work with any platform and, or any utility company to deliver that data. Which brings me to an acronym which I discovered on your website. I'm sorry, I'm a layman. It might exist and you might not be the only one, but that's the first time I came across it, which is data as a service. Because I was trying to understand your business model, because if I get it right, you're no capex, which means the bugs come for free. And you push the data to a bigger platform. So it's not like you're bringing everyone to your proprietary environment and then selling add-ons or whatever, which you could have inside your closed system. So where do you make your money? Is it on that data as a service, I guess? Yeah, it's on data as a service. We take the data you, you give us that either we've collected or third party has collected, and we push out the results and also the insights you get from that, those results. And it's different from software because software is a, is a licensed model to install something on your system. We're not installing anything. We're just delivering data into yours. And it's a common term, data as a service. So you will see that more. But that's very new for the utility industry, very new for the water industry. They're used to often capex. So when we first started, um, they said, no, 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 we buy hardware. And we go, oh, gosh, how are we going to do this? And we said, should we package AI into a big black box and just give them the back black box? Because, you know, how do we explain what it does? But the utility company knew you've been great at leading this and, the you know, others, Yorkshire Water and Seven Trent and people in the UK and DC Water outside and, and, and out in Australia. And they get the subscription. This data as a service works. So we can give them the immediate data, you know, the leak, the size of the leak, you know, the frequency, we can give them exact location if you're using the bugs, we can do, but we can also do more with that data. So we can feed into your strategic planning, because we can look at, now, this is what's happened on your network with absolute certainty, because we've guaranteed it all the way through, we've tracked it through the leak, we've tracked it through the repair, we've given you the volumetric save, so we produce an impact report for them. I'll never be arrogant enough to say we can do predictive analysis. And I think it's a very dangerous thing to say you can do it because you can only train your AI to do predictive analysis if you've had the results back to do that. What accuracy is it? And if you predict 30 years in ahead, well, you haven't proven it yet. So what we say is we can't give you predictions, but we can give you absolute verified data about trends, about how your network degrades or acts at certain periods in time. So you can spot patterns. And therefore, you can then feed it into your model um, your strategic planning, your consumption demand model to make informed decisions about whether you need to build desalination plants, whether you need to do pipe repair, whether you need to build more capacity. I think we should have an offline discussion about predictive analysis because I know that plastic pipes don't leak, even if you're saying they might, uh, and plastic fittings even less. I mean, I'm joking. It's just that I have to defend a bit my business, you know, but at GF Piping Systems, we've, we've been working on time of flight diffraction and then building an algorithm to try to do that predicting fade, detecting some stuff inside a fitting or some stuff inside a pipe and then saying, okay, that is going to break in, in so much time with a level of probability. So I don't know for the shitty materials, which are not plastic, but for plastics. <laughs> but you need to still build that predictive model on verified data. Absolutely. Otherwise, it's worth nothing. Fully agree. Coming back to what you said about selling something very new in utilities, and I would say even worse, you're selling something which is very new, but replaces something which is existing. Because if you come with something which is fully new, then, I mean, it's a different discussion, but here you're turning something which used to be a capex into an opex in a word where 
CapEx is the king. I mean, a utility can always defend the budget and then say why they need to do some CapEx. It's much more difficult for them to come and say, I have to justify my OPEX. And it's really something which is flipped around from the industry, which is the exact opposite. So you're going into that most difficult environment to build up a startup. You explain us how you were able to sell in weeks what takes most of this industry years, if not decades. What's your secret? I don't think it's a secret. I think it's a combination of many things, isn't it? Timing, opportunity, and belief. We have what we call FIDO faith. We will do what we say we can do. I think a lot of startups make the decision. They go in and say, well, you've developed this thing and you've got to use it because it's better. Why have you been so stupid with what you've been doing before? And they say, well, that's not wrong. It's not a stupid decision. It's probably the best decision they made at that period in time to deliver or solve a problem or a need that they had. Can we enhance that? So we came at it very much with the model of saying, actually, you've made these CapEx investments. FIDO is an overlay to give you a better ROI on those decisions that you've made. And I think by having that and being able to demonstrate that by turning each leak into an asset and tracking it through, it's a logical decision for them then to have. And in fact, it's helped. And where they haven't made the CapEx because they don't have a CapEx budget because, you know, outside the UK, then the actually the conversations are easier to have. So I think that's why we've, we've got that traction, because we're giving a value add rather than a replacement. I'm a firm believer in that concept of the R funnel. You know, this video with Dave Mackler, which is saying R and then explaining everything by the acronym. So this acquisition activation revenue retention and referral and just to switch from the a to the r so starting with the revenue there's this whoa effect this activation trigger what is your activation trigger at fido what is the thing in your offering where customers look at that and say oh i got it that's what i need that's the value i need it's visual and um, for the people that have already got hardware we just put up a map of all the alarms they've had that day, which may be hundreds, and go, you think you've got a team of 110 engineers out there trying to find those, yeah, 72% of them aren't leaks. Look, Fido's told you there's only six, of which three of them are large. They're the ones you need to focus on. So what it does, it's very clear return in terms of driving, because the only thing you can affect in leakage is runtime and volumetrics. And Fido AI with unerring accuracy delivers volumetrics and ability to hit runtime to affect it. And that's the simple, they get that. We then also can do all the other impacts. So what other impact does it, does it have? It means you dig less. It means you don't have to do nighttime working. It means that you know where you should be doing your capital replacement programs more efficiently. It also makes sure that the repairs are done properly, that you know, the leak that was there has been fixed, you know, the large leak, and it's not the small one, which is the stock tap, which is the easier one to fix. There's a lot more insight. And I think it's that movement. We call it the wheel of fortune. We touch the business in about five or six different areas. Finding the leak is just the start point. But I think it's that ability. That's where we sit. And that's why we've got so much traction. And if that's just a starting point, is there a portion in you which thinks, why not building something larger and going into the next steps as well? Oh, gosh. Yeah, that, that's outside my remit. But my, the guys here, um, the guys and girls have just have the most phenomenal brains. And they, we create an atmosphere where we accept failure. Right. And, and I say to some of, the, some of the brightest that we've got, I say to them, look, your first job is not meant to be like this. It's meant to be grunt work where you do the same thing. It's a bit boring. Do the same thing. The only thing you have to worry about at Fido 
is who is going to play you in the Netflix film, right? It's go and think. We have some wonderful ideas that are coming out, and but we're passionate about this water scarcity. We believe that we are here to do a job, and that is our job. So in terms of the next things that are happening, we have to make a change, a fundamental change in how people perceive water. I'm a great believer in giving community agency. You've got to give the community agency. It's them that's being affected. It's them that's going to run out of water. It's them that's going to have, you know, the bills increasing. How do you help them understand what's happening beneath their feet? So we're looking at how do we get communities involved to understand the value of water, democratize water, how they can get involved in a gamification way to understand leakage of water in their community and how they can be empowered to work with their local utility company to solve that problem. So we've got that, it's in the horizon. We're playing around with some wonderful ideas. So the only point we need a human now is at the point of dig. And people are saying to us, well, come on Fido, don't wanna have to dig. Surely you can do it from the inside. So watch this space. So that's a hint at what you might be building. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I have to ask you this closing question for that deep dive. I know you've been hearing it quite a lot, but what does success look like for you in, let's say, five years? I think success is quite simply that Fido is given the platform and the space to be able to deliver to anybody, regardless of network maturity, regardless of workforce, that actually FIDO can be to leakage what Google is to search by being non-proprietary, by being open data, and by being collaborative. And I'd like to get, give the world the opportunity to tackle this global problem of water scarcity. I think that was the perfect conclusion for that deep dive. I propose you to switch to the rapid fire questions. It's time for the rapid fire questions. So in that last question, I tried to keep the questions short and you have to pledge to keep the answers short. Of course, I'm never cutting the microphone. My first question is, what is the most exciting project you've been working on and why? Community agency, making leakage visible and fixable to all. Can you name one thing that you've learned the hard way? Don't take your eye off the ball. Is there something you are doing today in your job that you will not be doing in 10 years? Uh, I'm trying to convince the world that solving leakage is difficult and unachievable. Do you still have to do that today? Yes. If you have a proportion of people, what would be like 50-50, 80% of the people are not convinced that leak detection is something which is easy? I'm sorry, I'm sidetracking you, but I'm just curious. We get caught in the minutiae of economic levels of leakage. Well, let's just fix all the large leaks first and then, then let's have that discussion. But yes. I think over 50%. I'm still thinking it's problematic. What is the trend to watch out for in the water sector? Well, for all the wrong reasons, desalination. And why would you say that? Well, because that, that's the utility, you know, the answer to everything, a desalination abstraction. Well, we haven't got enough water now, so we'll just find some more in the most expensive way possible. Let's fix what you've already produced. Let's stop losing it. Then let's have that conversation. If you were a world political leader, What would be your first action to influence the fate of the world's water challenges? Well, you could make everybody give away the first 50 litres for free, and then they could start charging afterwards to each household per day or some limit. It would soon have a global conversation about protecting the water that they've already produced. 
um, and one global body that actually there's not one global voice about water. It's the world's most precious resource and we have nothing that's cohesive and coherent that has teeth. It's very interesting, the answer that you give here, because it's a synthesis of many answers I've got here. I had Mina Gulli on that microphone explaining that the climate change has this zero carbon, net zero, and that is the rallying call for everybody. And we don't have that in water. And then the other part of it, the first 50 liters, which are free, is really something, there are two teams on that microphone. One team is we shall charge much more for water. And the other team is the essential needs of water shall be covered for free. And then you should be walking the talk and adding some more layers of protection for the next liters, which are not supposed to be used. Absolutely. I mean, everybody's jumped on the net zero bandwagon, the politicians. Well, actually, we're facing day zero. We won't even get to our net zero goals. Day zero is the day the world runs out of water. It happened in Johannesburg back in April 2018. It's happening all over the world. By 2030, 40% will outstrip, demand will outstrip supply. It's a question we have to have, and we need a big solution to achieve that, to stop day zero happening. Would you have someone to recommend me that I should definitely invite on that microphone as soon as possible? I think you've got to find somebody that's led an industrial revolution in another sector. So, you know, if they were alive, you'd get, you'd have a mixture of Joan of Arc and Bazalgette, wouldn't you? The man who invented the sewers and Joan of Arc who said, you know, this is what I was put on earth to do. This is my faith. This is my belief. I'm not going to stray from it. At the moment, we've got to find somebody that can treat water as the most essential resource on earth that we've got and that will take it by its horns. So we need a free thinker. Well, Victoria, it's been amazing discussing with you over this small hour. If people want to follow up with you, where shall I redirect them the best? Um, obviously, I, I do quite a few social posts on my LinkedIn, um, the company LinkedIn. I've also got a, a subscription LinkedIn newsletter which I'd invite people to come and read. I'd like to start a conversation, some really strong opinions. Let's have those discussions. Let's keep water where it should be, which is at the forefront of everybody's mind, not chasing you know, this technology that can't be implemented without water. So treat it with the precious resource that it is. Well, it was a fascinating conversation on my end. I'm sorry for the layman questions, but really it was, it's a, it's a fascinating field. And yeah, thanks a lot for sharing and for the openness. It was really a pleasure. Thank you very much, Anton. Thanks for listening to Don't Waste Water. This podcast was brought to you by GF Piping Systems. Loved this episode? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. See you next time.